Hey everybody, it's Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. It's Friday, September 24th, 2021, and this is episode 687 of the podcast. It's it's my birthday. <laughs> uh, it's my birthday, I'll admit it, so I'm going to be posting this show, and I'm always behind I'm posting the show, and then I'm going to go into the city, down to the city, and uh, do a little bit of celebrating and uh, not watch films, even though today is the opening, uh, today happens to be the opening day of the New York Film Festival, but, and we are going to cover some of that festival, but in the meantime, uh, not today. I'm going to go down to the city, and, uh, hi, you're on Film Wax Radio, caller. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, you have a question or comment? Go ahead for Film Wax yeah, for the I, show. I wanted to know, how does it feel today being a milestone in uh, in your life? It, it's a milestone because this is, your, this is your, your, your first appearance on my podcast in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking out the window and I'm, I'm actually seeing leaves on the tree outside my window. There's some golden reddish ones first starting to appear it's a bittersweet part of the year you know it's like because it's my birthday but it's also when the seasons are changing beautiful Beautiful. and then it's also on the movie side the film side it's the 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 toronto international film festival has ended but the new york film festival starts today so it's very very transitional and uh, i'm not sure how to deal with it but from from the tiff to the niff right don't, I'm glad you didn't call, pronounce it knife because I could see why somebody might couldn't pronounce near. Wait a sec. Hello. Wait a second. Oh, hi. Oh, did I lose you? Hello. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Nobody get. Nobody get worried here. Hold on. Something's happened to my phone. Uh oh. Everything okay? Oh yeah. Hi. Oh, I was getting worried that the caller might have gone into some sort of accident or some such thing. Yeah. No. Thank you, uh, caller. Uh, thank you for your call. Don't forget, in ten years from today, to call back in again uh, if you're not if you're not in a more senile state of uh, you know, uh, generally in the senile yes, state. God willing. God willing. All righty. That was my friend, my best buddy, calling from Toronto, from which he hails. And uh, as I mentioned, it's my birthday, so I'm silencing my devices here. We have, on this very special episode, we're going to celebrate Film Wax at 10 years old with my second ever guest and my pal, the filmmaker, Michael Galinsky. But first, we're going to talk to the executive director of the Woodstock Film Festival, uh, making her, I think, fourth appearance. Uh, This is Mayor Blaustein. She will be on right now. We're going to talk to her. Then we're going to come back. We'll talk to Michael, who, you know, was lovely and, and, and agreed to do the show to look back at the 10 years of Film Wax and to look ahead as well. But first, let's find out. The the Woodstock Film Festival is, I think this is its 22nd, perhaps, festival festival. 
Anyway, uh, it is uh, going to take place between September 29th through October 3rd in Woodstock, as well as there are screenings in Saugerties and in Kingston, New York. To hear to talk about protocols, as well as the wonderful slate of films and events that are going on at this year's Woodstock Film Festival, is Film Wax friend Mayor Blaustein right now here on Film Wax Radio. I came upon a child of God He was walking along the road So I asked him Where are you going? And this he told me He said I'm going down to Asger's farm Gonna join a rock and roll band I'm gonna sleep out on the Set my soul free. We are stardust, we are golden, and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. Well, it's hard to believe it's been a year since we did this last. It's crazy. Have have we done this last year? I don't remember. <laughs> it's all a blur. <laughs> yeah, maybe this will jog your memory. Uh, we were talking the more the day after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Is that you remember that? So we were. Yes. I yeah. just moved up here actually, just right. You know, not long before. I guess in the, the beginning right. of the summer last year, I became a neighbor of the Woodstock Film Festival. Right. All right, well, let's start because uh, the Woodstock Film Festival is from September 29th to October, through October 3rd. It's uh, days away. Yes. I hope there's not too much caffeine in that drink. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just start off because, you know, last year we were all really in a, a, a alternative sort of state of mind trying to figure out how to do what we do, including you guys. And so this year, obviously, you've had a lot of time a lot more time to figure out how to do the festival safely so that people can come in person and not have to worry about it. So I know that if you go to woodstockfilmfestival.org, the website right there at the top underneath the dates is a link to what those the details of the protocols. But do you want to say one or two things? Because, and then I want to talk about the theaters themselves, because I I was curious about that too, which where the locations are. Well, I mean, we require proof of vaccination and mask wearing indoors and outdoors when you cannot socially distance. Uh, we retained a couple of uh, COVID compliance officers, and they're overseeing the whole thing. They will be at registration, they will be at parties, <clears throat> and uh, they have trained all of our venue managers. So it is, you know, we, we're taking it very, very seriously. And uh, we're also doing, I forgot to mention, um, mm-hmm. limited uh, seating capacity. So we will allow for some social distancing um, and uh, some of the theaters that we're using, w- there will not be any option for food inside. So, and some of them um, will ha- will sell popcorn. I mean, the, some of the theaters, that's just how they, part of how they make money. They also sell popcorn. Sure. So the rule is that um, you just, you know, you eat, you take your mask off, move your mask off when you eat and then put it right back on uh-huh. so that you don't expose anybody 
around you, but there will be also social distancing. So we're doing it at um, the absolutely most safe way humanly possible. And uh, I feel very confident, knock on wood, (laughs) that it's, um, that um, things should be okay. Let me just emphasize that, Mayor, I've known you now for a number of years, and I, and I know your relationship to the community. You, know, you're, you don't just run a film festival and go home. You no. are living there year-round in that community among the yes. people, and you, you have a deep, passionate love of filmmakers, of, of actors, of, of, yes. of, art, art, of the arts, the local arts especially, in, yeah. that, in the Hudson Valley. So the idea that you wouldn't take every step and every precaution is silly. You, of course you are. And yeah, so- I mean, it's funny. I, it's not funny, but I, I uh, did a side tour yesterday at one of the theaters and I came in and I just, you know, said this and that. And I said, uh, I told the owner, you know, I feel responsible for every single person who is going to be sitting here and every single person who's going to be standing at that stage. So I want this to be the absolute most safe way possible. And this is... Yeah what i'm asking um so i it really is so i mean i really do feel very responsible for that for every everybody who's um, going to be a part of the festival and that that includes staff also and volunteers and the filmmakers of course and the, the audience members so well, of course the staff and the volunteers the yep. so we love you uh so you're going to be walking around with your back you don't be surprised if a, a, a lovely woman wearing glasses and bangs, comes up to you with a, she'll have a pile of, she'll be walking around with a stack of uh, masks, a tape measure to make sure you're not standing too close to you. There she is with her. I'm, I'm going to be wearing my mask most of the time. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, so yeah. people should come and know that if you were, as long as you have been vaccinated and you are prepared to follow these guide, these protocols that you can then relax and enjoy Yes. All three films. Yes. And speaking of which, there I know uh, uh, are 48 features. Uh, I mean, is, what's this, the size uh, versus the prior years? Are you a little bit smaller? A little, a little, bit, little, bit, a little bit smaller. Uh, it is very intentional. And, uh, you know, we are in less towns than usual. We are not okay. yeah, I want to talk uh, about that in a couple of towns that we normally are. And that's specifically done so that it will be easier for our staff. Uh, everybody's kind of like recovering from a uh, very difficult um, few months. So I specifically designed it to be easier. And, um, but it's not, it's not as few as actually I was hoping. <laughs> it kept on adding and adding. So um, it's, well, uh, it's close to usual, but, but just a little bit shy of that. Okay. Yeah, you have a medical condition which prevents you from saying no. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Something I, like that. I have a similar, <laughs> similar. There is no cure for that, you know. So that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. a chronic thing, yeah. and I'm yeah. taking something for it, but it's not. Yeah. And all the social distancing in the world doesn't, unfortunately, help with that <laughs> disorder. Anyway, among those 48 features are 11 world premieres, six U.S. premieres, 10. East Coast premieres and six New York premieres, 85 shorts. Oh, no, those are in addition. 85, 85 shorts, yeah. Which is, you know, remarkable. But again, it shows to the degree that you guys are fostering and, and helping to develop a new generation of filmmakers because typically mo- the majority of shorts come from, you know, young filmmakers. So you're, you're only creating the next wave of 
filmmakers in the Woodstock Film Festival with yeah. their future features, right? Okay, so you mentioned reducing the number of theaters or towns that you, like, it's a typical Woodstock Film Festival pre, pre-pandemic. You would have been in Rosendale and uh, as well as, uh, well, Rhinebeck. start with Woodstock, obviously, and then Rhinebeck is a big spot. And um, some things go on at Kingston, obviously Socrates, and then... I think I've covered most of the towns. Did I? Did I? Yeah, I mean, yes. We, no, what, we used to we used to be in Woodstock, uh, Rhinebeck, Rosendale, Saugerties, and Kingston. Uh-huh. And we for this year we we, we uh, removed just for this year Rhinebeck and Rosendale, okay. just to make things a little bit easier. To, oh, so to hop around from between right? Because is of course just just next door to Woodstock. Yeah. And Kingston is right there. So you really right there. So it all now fifteen minutes apart. Yeah, you can get from like the furthest back in the day. I mean, I don't want to waste any more time on this, but of course it could take like 45 minutes to get, you have to plan ahead. In other words, not just, yes. so if you're going to go from one town to another, you got to know how long it will take you to get there. Right, now right, right. now you, it's less of a concern, and, which is a good thing for this year, especially. You mentioned Saugerties. The theater in Saugerties is is ready for the Woodstock Film Festival, obviously. We are, yeah, we are, we are uh, inaugurating it. We're christening okay. it. <laughs> Um, and uh, I'm very excited about it. And um, yeah, it's going to be imp- new and improved right. and a new management. So it's going right. to be great. And um, I think they're looking forward to having us and vice versa. Okay, right. And I saw that you're going to have like uh, uh, some big time. I mean, you always get great luminaries coming to the festival to support the films that, that they're in, which is not typical. Also, a lot of big names, when I say big names, I mean, celebrity names or recognizable names are you know if they have the time they'll go to a a big international film festival perhaps Sundance or something like that but to go to a regional part of me that's not a slight you know that a regional film festival is but you constantly and consistently draw those types of folks to the Woodstock Film Festival well I mean especially this year it's 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 um more difficult but uh, just because also people not everybody wants to travel and not everybody um wants to be in in a crowd but uh, yeah. um yeah i mean i every year we have some celebrity type they're always connected or just about always connected to films that we're showing so there's always um you know a reason for being but um uh yeah this i mean matt dylan uh you know, the very first time that Matt Dillon came to the Woodstock Film Festival, that was many years ago, and I was sitting in my then office um, in a different location, and somebody came to my office and said, oh, you got to go to the hospitality tent. Matt Dillon and Fisher Stevens just blew into the tent because there was a big windstorm, and they just like flew into the tent. So I I ran over and to greet them. But that was the first time that Matt came, and um, he's been here a couple of times before, uh, since and um, he's coming this year with uh, the film that he directed, Algren uh, fell off. And actually, mentioning Fisher, Fisher is one of the producers of the film, so he's going to be here. Fisher Stevens, yeah. uh, Fisher Stevens, he's coming back from Spain. He's been acting in new Wes Anderson movie, so um, he's coming and he's going to be here. And of course, Jonathan Gray, who's the main producer of. Uh, our friend Felov is coming uh, with a film as well. So we'll show the film and, they will, and Matt will also do a talk. Beautiful. So he, he, he's, he's one of those um, um, 
I'm going to try to well, 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 well known um, figures, I suppose. But uh, you know, For we sure. have, we ha I mean, we have Kelsey Grammer, who is uh, new to the festival. Um, he Kelsey's done. Um, He's done, he done mentorship for us for the youth film lab that we've done over the summer. He's really, I mean, he has amazing stories and he's, um, he knows how to be inspiring to, to new talents. So, I, and I've seen that firsthand. So he's coming also, he's starring in the film that we're showing and he's also gonna do a special talk. So, you know, people like that. Fantastic. Last thing, cause I know you, you've got to get back to it and I don't need to hold you. Too long. People again remind you that the Woodstock of us will take place between September 29th and October 3rd. The uh, tickets are for uh, all screenings and events, talks, and 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 uh, performances are currently available uh, at that website. So, and you can sign up for the newsletter. You can also follow the social media. We'll have all those links up. But that last, last year we went for a walking together, and, yes. and that particular day. <laughs> you got some good news, which you were ultimately able to share about your uh, new, the new home, home, right? The new uh, home the building, day. yeah, yeah, the building that you were able to uh, purchase for the festival. Yes, you, you, you were privy to a very special I moment where I, where I could not stop saying, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god!" I remember, I like, <laughs> and you I, thought that was you, pregnant. You, you're no. too exactly. <laughs> that, that, that is that. That's definitely not an option. But um, um, yeah, uh, someone, a, board, a new board member came, um, came in and uh, picked up, paid off our mortgage. Oh, so, okay. right, right, right. Um, and, which was a lot of money. So at that point, we, from here on, I'm, I, we own the, the building right up, <clears throat> right out, and we, have renov we, are, we already began the process of renovation. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because you already yes. gained a ton of equity in the building already in the last year so. Because everybody's yes. property values have gone up so much in the area. Uh, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, well, one of the, th the first thing that we have started to do, we have, I don't know if you remember the building, but we have a, a four-car garage that has been full to, to, to the rims with just so much junk that has been, just been building up throughout the years. We emptied the whole thing and we're, we're renovating the whole thing and it's, we're going to turn it into an event space. Okay. So we can do master classes and workshops and panels and screenings and gatherings. So um, that I'm year? very excited about that. Well, I mean, maybe. are you doing anything in there this year? I mean, we we started we we, okay. we started the process already. Yes. Oh, and you can use it throughout the year too. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, gotcha. Very good. Oh no, oh, for, the, for the festival for the festival we're not going to use it. It's not going right. to be ready for the film festival. It's going to be right. ready by the end of the year, I believe. I hope supposed to. Uh, right. I can't wait to see you and, and see the films. I'm going to come a couple of times, at least. Um, you know, you, uh, I'm very you know what you're saying? What are, what are you planning on seeing? Well, I definitely want to see the Matt Dillon film, for sure. I want to see, of course, 18 and a half, because I'm friends with Dan Mervish, and that looks right up my alley. I have you're about, gonna, you'll, you'll love it. It's great. I can't wait. To, I'm going to see it there. I can't wait. To, I'll see it. I'll go to the proper screening. Yeah. Dan, Dan will be happy to have you, and and um, he'll be here. And um, it's great. It's it's funny. It's a, a very irreverent. It's very Dan. It's like so it, very it's, Dan. It's it's very Dan. Yeah. <laughs> for those for those who know Dan, nervous, they'll understand. It's okay. quirky, you know. I mean, it's yeah. it just got 
got my this dear, crazy, craziness of his. My dear dead dad looks very good. So there, there's so many things. I mean, uh, and I know Jagged has now become a controversial documentary about the making of Alison Alanis Morissette's uh, album. I actually love. I, I actually love this, but, um, but she she may take umbrage. <laughs> right, she I know. I know. She. Okay. But you know. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, uh, when somebody makes a movie about you, it's it's hard. So yeah, my recommendation is don't see it. <laughs> don't see it. If there's a Mar- <laughs> if there's a Mayor Blaustein documentary, don't go to it. Mary. Oh God, no. <laughs> Unless I make it, in which case it'll be a love letter. But there uh, is not. There is not going to be a Mayor Blaustein documentary that that I can that I can. Uh, all right. hundred uh, percent. And then uh, the opening night is Fanny. Is that right? The right to rock? Is that? Oh, it? Fanny. Fanny, that, that's the kickoff uh, oh. uh, event. We always do a kickoff event kind of like before the whole thing starts. And that's always a music oh. film followed by a musical performance. So we're doing that. And also uh, adjacent to that, we're also showing uh, the film American Ish, which is a wonderful um, okay. film. That uh, and that's showing in, in another venue. So actually, Wednesday night you have two choices, which both are great. Wednesday night, okay. This yes, like everybody else, we we really learn not to dwell too much on the specific. You should go to again to the watch, look at the program guide because you you got to choose your own films at the end of the day, whatever suits you. And there's a variety there enough for uh, you know for people to find the films that suit them rather than us make recommendations on films that yeah. I haven't seen. You know, these are brand new, brand new films. In yep. many cases, you'll be the first people to see them. So what's, and then you can meet the people that made the film. It's a great ex- experience for everybody. If you haven't done a film festival and you're anywhere near the Hudson Valley, check out the Woodstock Film Festival. Thank you. Thank you. Most filmmakers are attending. It's really exciting. That's great. Yeah. They're like, like, yeah, like, you know, I know musicians who, for instance, who can't book a gig because all the musicians that had to put their instruments away for the year, and I'm exaggerating, but, you know, they're dying to get back out there. So there's, a, yeah. you know, there's a, a bottleneck thing going on. So the film festivals, of course, everybody wants to come and see their films with, with the audiences. It's, uh, it, they missed many cases a year and a half, practically, of this. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know? <sighs> yeah. See you in a couple of days. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. else I left out. no, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was great. And I have to get back to work, of course. Um, but I'll see you. I'll see you next week. Yep. Okay. All right. Take dear. care, Adam. Bye. Bye-bye. Michael's sixth or seventh time on the show. 
He was here for Battle for Brooklyn, All the Rage. He was here for Working in Protest, all these different projects and films that Michael has uh, done. Uh, Along with uh, his wife, Suki Hawley, he's co-directed a very great number of films, including uh, Radiation, Horns and Halos, Code 33, uh, Battle for Brooklyn, which was in 2011. We met before that. We met a few years before Battle for Brooklyn when we, Michael and his wife Suki and and my then wife uh, and myself shared a nanny. You know, you you don't always need a full-time nanny. And uh, so it's not uncommon to share a nanny. And they were all living in Brooklyn. But since then, since Battle for Brooklyn, which was a big, big documentary and a big, big experience for me, and we're going to talk about it in this upcoming segment you're about to hear. But they went on to make uh, Who Took Johnny? Uh, All the Rage working in protest, and more to come. This is uh, my friend and Film Wax friend, Michael Galinsky, who was my second guest in September uh, 21st, uh, uh, September 21st, 2011. Ten years later, here we are talking again about the uh, passage of time. I'm Phil Sorry, here. So I was not sure how to celebrate. Uh, it was like 10 years ago, September 2011, when I started Filmwax Radio in that little storage container in downtown Brooklyn. Right. Remember? remember? Yeah, the storage container place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember the uh, DeKalb Market, which was then became yeah. City Jesus. Point, now Mall? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So. It's weird. I actually have never stepped foot in City Point Mall. Uh, although I did. I, I've been in... Um, that other one, the really luxury one, a couple of times, just because I think it's so fascinating. Where, what do you mean? It, uh, the Hudson Yards. Oh, the Hudson Yard. Okay. Yeah. Well, City Point there. has the Alamo Draft House <laughs> on the top floor. Yeah. So. I, yeah. I, that was, it's kind of after I moved, right. but I did do a lot of shooting in um, Fulton Mall. I was trying to document that before it was gone. Exactly. So we, you know, this ties directly. It's interesting because that neighborhood is more in Kelly's film. Right. But yeah. it has so much to do with Battle for Brooklyn. So, and yeah. I just, I just, I, you know, I hark, it, it, it all makes me think of that period back when we mm-hmm. first met and it was so much a part of our lives. Well, for you and Suki. And, uh, right. Um, well, just that, like, yeah, you know, the ba- Battle for Brooklyn was really a canary in the coal mine of um, kind of a, just a government d- decision. Oh, right. To the change government. the shape, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, the canary in the coal. Like it, it was kind of a precursor. Like I remember the way we started that movie was, you know, our our daughter went to Prospect Heights Daycare, which was up on Dean and um, or no, it was on Underhill 
and um, okay. in Vanderbilt. And so I remember reading the article in the paper saying, you know, this um, Garden of Eden grows in Brooklyn. And I was like, oh, that's what? Wait, there, there people live there. What are they talking about? You know, yeah, right. And so I, I started asking my neighbors and they're like, listen, the governor, the mayor, everyone's for it. It's going to happen. I was like, but it sounds ridiculous. And then I saw Patty Hagan sign saying, stop Patty. the project. So I called her up and I started filming. And it was so interesting because I knew that people live there because we were there every day. And um, and I didn't know how far it was going to extend. That was like a couple blocks outside the project, but it was still there. And I was working with Patty literally every day was walking around the snow and the ice as she's bringing all these media people around and explaining what was going on, which is how I was becoming familiar with it. And then she said, you know, there's one guy, there's one of these loft dwellers who's going to stick it out. I think everyone else is just going to sell out because they don't care, but he cares and he's going to fight this project. And And I was like, Oh, what's his name? She said, you know, yeah, Daniel Goldstein. I was like, Oh, I know Dan. He like designed the, I didn't know him. I lived in Maine with him for a summer for a few weeks. And he was, this gets even weirder. He was um, roommates with a good friend of mine from high school whose daughter is at Barnard and who I ran into when he was dropping her off the other day. So it's just incredible how the world kind of these, these little, these little intersections happen throughout our lives. And that's actually one of the biggest lessons I'm trying to tell my daughter when I drop her off for college is don't shit where you eat because you, all these people that you're meeting now are going to have an impact on your lives. Well, it's the same, you know, it's the same kind of a a close relationship of, you know, be careful who you, how you uh, interact with people on your way up the ladder. You know, it's the same kind of like treat people well. And, and also, but it's a, yeah, relate relationships and, and uh, 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 situations are on some level evergreen and you I you know whether or not you ever meet somebody again I, or they have any influence in your life in the future it's always just best to be as, as cool as you can be I think and yeah, but also just not be judgmental because everybody's going through something and True. while someone may annoy you in the moment you can go, oh yeah, that's really about them. It's not about me. And I, I could be in the space with that person. The, the point being is if you just are thoughtful, you'll make a lot of friends and very few enemies. Speaking of which, <laughs> our friend at the time of Battle for Brooklyn, we ended up doing, I think, I, I didn't do, the, I didn't crunch the numbers before we just got on, but I think we had to have done, Film Wax and Rumor mm-hmm. had to have done probably in partnerships from like three or four screenings of battle for Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, I remember the, the Brooklyn Heights when you did a retro <laughs> of, of all your films and uh, I kind of yeah. was involved in some of that. And then, there, but there was of course the rough cut at, you know, on in park slope that it, going even before the film was done. And then the big one, which I'm the most, I'm the most proud of and have the most positive feelings was, was Brooklyn reconstructed at the ethical society. Remember that? That, whole I do. that was a really uh, beautiful thing yeah I, I, and it was, was a real, it was, the, were really great conversations that's right these films I, were a catalyst that was sort of the idea you know like i was catching on when i was doing the film series on fifth avenue and park slope i was realizing this is really about talk you know like connecting with people and the films are just a catalyst for the conversations right yeah and 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 it and it it's interesting because it was an early podcast but, you know, podcasts have become a way, especially throughout this um, pandemic, a way for people to connect, mm. you know, and stay, connect within some kind of types of communities, right? In the same way that you were trying to do, you were helping to create 
a more um, inclusive and connected uh, film community, making it people feel much more like they had access to what was going on in a real conversational way rather than here, let me sell you my project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was kind of, a, it was partly promotion, but also more connectivity. I wish I had been, only thing is I kind of wish I had been even better at promoting at the time, because I mean, I think that what we were doing was, you know, could have been part of the whole movement against the complete decimation of Brooklyn's character and, and community uh, I mean, it's not all gone. Well, it, instead, it became but, more of a, a documentation of something that becomes yeah. inevitable and, and unchangeable. Yeah, and it it's all through that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more historical. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's more historical than advocacy. And I think I think advocacy has a place in the world. But I, unfortunately, I feel like advocacy has become more um, warlike rather than resolution-like, mm-hmm. with good reason, because there's so many terrible things going on, and those with power will extend that power. But I think, you know, because I mean, this brings up another point, part of, like, say, Battle for Brooklyn was, and it extended after that, like, especially with Occupy, a, a real rethought about, like, what what is the purpose of documentary? And so I kind of, I came to it making documentaries or making films at all with a background, like, I went to school and I got a uh, in college, I was a religious studies major. And it wasn't mm-hmm. because I was really interested in religion. It's because by the time it was time to declare a major, I had completed the major because I took a lot of anthropology classes and sociology classes. And those things had an impact on my understanding of what a documentary was, or even from an anthropological uh, perspective. So like when I did the mall project, I was, I mean, I hated the mall and I didn't really like people in the mall, but I understood that in order to to make work that was relevant, it shouldn't be about what my opinions were as much as about really document capturing what the essence was. You know, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I found that essence rare. Um, but um, and and I think that that's important. I, I still think that's important. Uh, and then you know later after having we made Half Cock, it, which is our first film, which was kind of like a hybrid mumblecore documentary, right? It's documenting something but also writing something because we didn't have enough money to shoot that much film and i was under the impression from what i knew about documentary that i really wasn't in the position to make a documentary because i was too much a part of that community and Mm -hmm. i didn't have critical distance you know which is kind of like a colonial idea of how you do documentary or how you do anthropology and you know these things just kind of weave their way into the fabric and so by the time Occupy came around, I was, re- I was drawn down there by all the advocacy work that was being made. And I, and I saw the media that was being made, like the, and it was, there was such a gulf between the two. And I felt like, okay, just from what's, what's becomes valuable, and this actually comes back to, to Film Wax, what makes Film Wax really valuable is it's this kind of really in between, just a real settled look and, and discussion, which maybe isn't as flashy or exciting in the moment, but has so much more weight and value for those looking back and trying to understand what was going on there. Because it's not so shaped, it, it just is. And it becomes a really valuable document for any historian. And so that was the idea I was trying to shoot at Occupy. Um, not that occupancy, uh, advocacy is wrong, but advocacy is essentially propaganda. And mm-hmm. I have a problem with propaganda mm-hmm. because what it does is it creates division 
in its essence, even though it's not its intention, in its essence, it basically creates this limiting effect that we're now seeing writ large, where we just have people who become on one side or the other, and there's so little room for any real discussion or empathy. And that's the problem. So if we otherize, I mean, so advocacy is a reaction in some way to colonial views of documentary. But then what happens is you have this, uh, this othering effect where anybody who doesn't already agree with you is the other, and they, you're not even considering what they might think because they're not even worth reaching because they're lost. Yeah. Is it your sense also that we're, we're sort of at the post-advocacy period of, of documentary filmmaking at this point? Because it seemed like oh, no. up through five I years. I don't think so at all. I think it's, it, that's, it's doubled down on advocacy, advocacy. It's just... It's it's um it's just not even it's more like just news programming almost because it's not or info you know like infotainment in the sense that there's it's not even trying to entertain at at all anymore if it if it exists I don't really I guess I I'm not watching that much of those anymore yeah I don't know I, I get, well it's interesting it's like those are the ones that are getting there's a certain thing yeah it's also kind of more hidden and and woven in now it? so it's it it's became it I think what it is is it's trying to be like it's not advocacy because it that that has a an effect of pushing away but it's still so woven into it that mm-hmm. it uh it it's yeah i like i just want nothing to do with documentary honestly speaking of um the the battle for brooklyn days and you know we i'm just grateful for the fact that you know ps11 which was our kids grade school and um, right. the fact that for somehow or other you and i our families ended up sharing a nanny. Yeah. And then that led to Battle for Brooklyn or my, you know, my becoming uh, friends with right. you yeah. and Suki yeah. and, 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 and all that. I'm very grateful for it because I evolved, you know, through that period yeah. so yeah. much. And I, so I thank you for that. Yeah. I'm going to get teary in a minute, but. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I just want to jump in and say, I mean, I think that's, you know, it was a bit of, um, it was difficult in some ways to, to start going to that to that school because everyone else that we knew was going oh that's not you know you're never going to get into a good middle school you got to leave the neighborhood blah 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 and i and i found that problematic but but the truth is right you know we learned way more than our our children did at that school oh that's and, and learned more about the world and um and, and kind of the realities that are unfolding now so none of none of what's unfolding is surprising um you know, because of that. So I, I'm, I, I'm super grateful for that whole experience. I had just been one one other eye opener for me, though, leading up, you know, leading up to Battle for Brooklyn was when I was married to Karen, we actually had lived in this apartment, which was a former or a transitioning project on uh, Upper Fifth Avenue by the top of Central Park. And there were these two. It's an interesting it was an interesting uh, sample of social sociology sample because there were these two communities in one at this building it was a building that was in definitely in transition because there were these existing families that had been there for 30 40 50 years in these apartments primarily african-american or people of color and then there was an in the last 10 years before we got there there's they started selling apartments at market value you know as Mm -hmm. families for one reason or another were leaving the building Right. Um, and Karen and I were one of those families that had moved in. And this would have been right as we got married. So we're talking about 19, uh, 2001, 2000, 2001. We bought that apartment. 
And what I went, what I, I just, it was like, for me, a, a really eye-opening, uh, and it was an opportunity for me to evolve and to start to really understand what was going on in the city mm-hmm. and, and how to be at one point, a sort of a gentrifier, but also at the other point, very respectful. And to put it in context, like there's gentrification that's organic. I, I always talk about this, but that, that there's a natural thing that occurs in cities and then there's what happened with downtown Brooklyn with, right. with, with the Prospect Heights, Fort Greene area where the arena went up, which was not right. in any way. That was all planned out. That's why you mentioned the words fait accompli. It, yeah. You know, this said was going to happen. There was a title change coming to Brooklyn. It's, it's, you know, I don't know if it's still going on, but it was, um, I guess I was already kind of starting to really be, aware of of what was going on but but that 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 project your film and and to some degree the other films really were quite the you know master's degree for me you know Mm. i really yeah so i I, yeah really changed the way i approached doing film acts which was in its birth you know it was still i wasn't even doing the podcast when i met you uh it just kind of started and then we met and then and 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 another amazing thing was developing this friendship with tish james at the time you guys of course had a much more i barely knew her but she came to the we did i guess a screening at ps11 too which yes 11 yeah that was you know we're trying to do something there uh for fundraising for the school and she came to that and then she came to the brooklyn brooklyn reconstructed conversation right were again really amazing and and now she's you know it's interesting like yeah She's a politician, right? Uh, and a very masterful politician. Very masterful, it turns out. But at the end of the day, like all what I remember more than anything else was is these endless meetings, right? Um, they would just go on and on and on and on. And, and very little was getting done. Right. And I remember coming home from one at 1130, just exhausted from shooting for five hours and starving. So I go across the street to a terrible Chinese place on the corner of Myrtle and Hall. And I order, I think, just literally fried rice. Make it quick, you know? Yeah, sure, sure. It's an emergency. She comes in. Well, she comes in after me to get food. (laughs) And I was just like, this is a person who really is just working endlessly hard. And, of course, is going to have to make some compromises at some point that will piss off everybody. Right. And at that point, had really pissed off most of her constituency who had been swayed by the propaganda of Ratner that there was going to be these jobs in this housing, but she's looking and going, no, it's not true. And she, but she was having to kind of fight with the people in her community who had, who had bought the cool and who had, who were being paid by Ratner. Right. And I just, i like, I have undying respect for her after all through, I mean, we filmed for seven or eight years and through that process, I saw that what she had to put up with in terms of what was coming at her to attack her, to attack her and how she just, uh, yeah, I just really, she's a really powerfully um, righteous person. I, I believe it, even if she makes certain compromises and even if she does things politically, I think she's not self-interested. I think she really is. She has a deeper interest in, in, well, she's, she's the bigger picture. Finding a path. You know, you have to, yeah, yeah. there's no way in a in New York city, you're not going to compromise Right, because because the democratic machine is a machine. The next level, she'll be probably be, you know, a mayor or governor. Um, you know, in in the not too long, or or maybe even a national, you know, politician at some point soon. I mean, it's there's no doubt. 
because she's but but saying what I'm saying is seeing how the meat was made, mm-hmm. I, I still have respect for her. Whereas de Blasio, yeah. I could have told you from the beginning, was an absolute piece of shit because people were coming to him saying, Hey, did you read this community benefits agreement? And he goes, Yeah, I looked at it. He goes, you know, and, and he's trying to talk to him. This is his constituent saying, Do you see that there's no teeth in it? There's no, he's like, Oh, it's gonna work out. And nothing in the community benefit agreement was actually held to. And and right then you knew that he was in the he just wasn't a good person or a good politician that he didn't really have the interest in the people in mind he was more in line with power than with the people and and i think you have to respect what power is doing as tish did but you have to try and work with power but you can't give over your power to power which is what bill de blasio did from the very beginning what do you think do you think this is the end of the road he's just going to become like either a uh corporate lawyer or polit- or a lobbyist or we think he's reached the end of the I mean I don't know where he's I don't know going. I I since where I does moved... he go now because he's already lost his other bids right so I don't know I don't think he I mean probably he'll yeah, do some kind of lobbying work or probably whatever but I you know I left New York eight, eight years ago so I was um free of his reign you know I didn't really see it gotcha well anyway. but 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 the, but the but the difference between the two of them in that mm-hmm. process was mm-hmm. striking. And they were both people who represented that community mm. that was going to be affected by the project. Was he the mayor, though? When did no, he... he was the city, he was the, the Park Slope um, city council person. Oh, very good. Okay. Yeah. It was him and Brad Lander and um, Tish. I see. Okay. Daniel Goldstein ended up leaving New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Michael Galinsky and Suki Holly ended up leaving New York. Yeah. I've ended up leaving new york <laughs> yeah well he's the last hold that there, there's things i i love about like i said I, I you know i moved here eight years ago and it wasn't just because of all that it was also like i'd been in new york for 30 years my mom was um moving out of the house i grew up into and i felt right. like i really needed to be near her i'm going yeah i think you did maybe yeah. such a good choice well, and fiona was also having a lot of anxiety in the city um yeah. you know and i and i the first year was hard for me to be out of the city, but I was back every month. And then I didn't, I wasn't there for the whole summer. And I came back in the fall and I remember walking up the subway stairs at the, getting on the seven train from LaGuardia and just thinking, how the fuck do people live here? Because, <laughs> you know, just living more in the country, you, your body and your brain readjust. They do. I know. I have. And it has become too much to me. So. I do have that experience. I'm glad I'm not the only one because uh, I was like, how is it? I lived in the city for 50 50- <laughs> and now I feel like, how do people do this? Like you're a New Yorker, Shark Mafia. Anyway, yeah. Well, I'm glad we're still doing this, and we're still friends. And um, I just thought this would be a cool thing to do, maybe to reach out to some of the the first guests, yeah, know, that were sitting with me in that storage container ten years ago this month. Wow, right. Seems and um, yeah, and we met fifteen years ago. Really? When Harper was a baby. Because Harper was, was, was uh, is now Helen's. 15. Yeah. And she's, how's she doing? Harper, she's, it's, you know, it's hard. Yeah. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't like the school thing right now either. Yeah. She'd rather sit in her bed and do school at this point. Sure. I get it. Uh, yeah, I mean. For, thanks for catching up with me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to I think will. of any last thought that helps tie it all together, but. Please say, tie it all together for me. <laughs> well, I will. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, I think it's really interesting to look back on 10 years because, you know, the 10 years that we're talking about from when you started the podcast 
is um, is a time of just dramatic change in New York, and it's a, a, a time that I kind of missed. I like I just came back to New York to drop off my daughter, and I, I'm just consistently shocked at the transformation, especially in Brooklyn um, or the Hudson Yards as well. I mean, I came out of BNH Photo the other day, and I was like, "What the fuck is that building?" Because it was a parking yeah. lot, and now it's like a 175 story building across the street, and it's just that and so uh, but the whole world has changed even in terms of media in terms of uh social media. race awareness social right. media um right. and, and you know in this 10 years that we're talking about it was like um that that also involves uh occupy trump um and where we're at and so you know social media is both it, it cleaves us right it both brings us together and cuts us apart and so i wonder where we're headed with all of that i don't know what's going to happen um but i believe in the hegelian dialect right i believe that we, we are at this real terrible low point and what will happen is there will be some kind of coming together. And, and in fact, you know, the, with the floods in New York, there's that, that awareness is really there, you know, um, that something has to change, you know, in terms of how we're going to deal with this climate. So we may have some drastic changes, um, um, you know, taking place. It's interesting. Like, I don't even know if you and I have discussed this, but um, the documentary we started even before we finished Battle for Brooklyn was one about uh, the fact that I was a sperm donor. And recently um, I met a daughter um, who is now one of my best friends and her name's Holly and she was getting her PhD in climate communication and she just got it. So it's such an uh, incredible moment for her because she's going to be at the forefront of how we're going to help shift this world. And so something like what just happened is actually probably really um, exciting. And, and, and actually it's interesting because she lives in, near Rutgers and Rutgers mm -hmm. is underwater. I mean, the highway you know, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, like central route, areas like where route you, one or yeah. yeah, yeah, Route One heading towards, um, you know, there's little signs for the Jersey Turnpike just above the waterline. You know, it's like yes, there's it's, a, it, it's yeah. crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I guess all of these things are super connected. Oh, but this is what I'm gonna say is part yeah. of her discussion. I watched her PhD defense, and what uh, the real takeaway from it was like. All the, all the work that you do to change people's behavior around climate doesn't even touch people who are living in poverty because they just yeah. don't have the bandwidth to make any changes. Not. So the takeaway from it is that UBI is probably the, the greatest tool we have in terms of dealing with climate change because it's going to make it possible for the greatest number of people to help make the, make the shifts that they need to as well. So it's got to come all these different levels. But it's also probably universal health care and UBI will yeah, solve most of the social income. ills that we have. Yeah. 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 Universal basic income and universal health care um, may be expensive, uh, but they're probably the only way out of this. That's right. Um, There's, well, I think the yeah, homelessness and, and, and uh, joblessness is far more expensive um, on, on government uh, than yeah than the alternatives that you mentioned. And so it's, it's, and it seems inevitable. And I'll tell you if, if, if we're going through another surge, I, I just honestly don't see how there's any, <laughs> you can have a revolution. I mean, you know, yeah. there's going to be way too many people without jobs and yeah. So 
it's a time just to get real practical. Yeah, and I guess kind of the idea of the American individualism is really right. what's going on right now. Like of people course, are trying to hold on to something. Joke. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it doesn't. It's not. I mean, yeah. That was never a thing. Yeah, I mean, it could be if we had a different tax policy, but it's not. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, it's good catching up. All right. Well, we'll 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 do this again when with the next project for sure. But in the meantime, yeah. it's good to see you. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. everybody i am uh, getting myself geared up i'm heading down to new york uh, i just want to mention that you can help filmwax with its next 10 years by becoming a patron of the show go to patreon.com slash filmwax radio and for as little as three dollars a month you can help me make this show special as special as i feel like it's been and we'll be back next week with a new episode as well as another friend of the show who was on 10 years ago carmine famiglietti will be here with me and then um more friends to come in the coming weeks thank you very much take care of yourselves and the ones you love until next time Ah!